In this lesson, we really are going to um, do a quick review of last week. And then uh, page 109 is your notes page. We're going to do just a real quick review of um, a couple of points from last week. And then we're going to look at um, the primary things we're going to look at are the three parts of a prophecy and then some just general good guidelines on how to be those that give prophetic words and how to receive prophetic words. And I'm hoping that by the end of this um, teaching that you're going to be eager to try it out because we're going to do that, folks. All right, so um, lesson eight, 1 Corinthians 14:3. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, uh, encouragement, encouraging, ing, and comfort. So um, those are the three purposes, the primary purposes of the gift of prophecy, if you remember. And this gift of prophecy is us carrying on Jesus' prophetic work. Jesus was the prophet priest and king, and he's called us to speak for him on this earth. And so um, and in 1 Corinthians 14, several times it said to eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. And so if scripture is telling us to be eager about this, then I hope all of us are eager. All right. The focus of prophecy um, the focus can either be for now or for the future. And so forth telling is speaking kind of a now word to speak forth or declare God's revealed truth, to interpret his purposes, or to influence people towards God's agenda. So I just told you that 1 Corinthians 14 tells us to be eager to prophesy. That was a forth telling I'm telling you something that's hopefully moving us on to God's agenda. And now foretelling is speaking of something that's to come in the future. And this very often is an invitation to pray or in some other way to cooperate with him. He's revealing something that he wants us to know about the future, and it's an invitation to pray. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says, So it is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And so prophetic foretelling helps to create reality by helping people see what is God intending to do on earth. And then often it's calling us to pray his kingdom come and his will be done as he reveals it. And so there's a book that Brad Long and Doug McMurray wrote called Prayers That Shape the Future, and we highly recommend that. Also, that little bookmark that you got with the four discernment principles, on the back side of that, it just shows how that we can prophetically pray. Um, Yeah, I meant to bring that little bookmark up here, but yeah. But as... The Father's wills revealed, then the Holy Spirit prompts us. As we're listening, we receive that prophetic impression of what God's wanting to do. And then we start praying as led by the Holy Spirit. And we've already just been reminded that the Holy Spirit's interceding. Jesus is interceding. So we join this um, holy prayer trinity, and we get to join into that work. Yeah. You can, yes, we're partners in ministry. Good. Come okay, so up. this is a powerful example. Um, 2012, 
um, we were just be- I was she was not yet here and I was just beginning to learn about Jesus healing work and had our very first initial um, learning to pray with hurting people that Mary Sternberg led for us. And she was in here praying with us before the we had the, the time of teaching the day before. And she was right up here and I was in the narthex and she was praying passionately, loudly. And she asked, God, would you make this place a place of healing? And the moment she said it, I received it. I was standing in the back and it was like the Holy Spirit fell on me and said, that's what I want to do in this place. I want to bind up broken hearts. I want to set captives free. I want to release people from darkness. Now go and do that. And for 10 years since then, we've been praying and taking steps of obedience to become a whole congregation that's able to participate with Jesus in his healing work. And we now have a a 15-person trained healing and deliverance ministry that was raised up by our classes. Our our whole classes actually helped fund that group to go down to North Carolina. So all of that has taken place because the Holy Spirit spoke a word like, like Pastor Gina just said, and then that was the invitation to pray and take steps of faith that have led really to you all being here, getting equipped because 104 is the healing ministry of Jesus Christ, right? So I just thought that was... Yeah, perfect. Perfect example. And so um, so forth-telling or foretelling, and I just want to make the distinction, this is not fortune-telling. Fortune-telling is of the kingdom of darkness. It's um, people that are wanting control by wanting to know what's coming, or maybe they're pursuing, you know, wanting greed, or maybe they're operating out of fear. I don't know their motivations, but um, I just want to make real clear that when there's foretelling that the Holy Spirit makes, he's making us known what the Father's will is, and it is absolutely different and not from the same source as the evil of fortune-telling. All right. Now, as we're learning to receive revelation, you remember from the lesson three on guidance, how God guides He will often and most often speak through scripture or give pictures or visions or dreams or thoughts or nudges. And there was a gentleman by the name of um, Mike Connell. He's a minister in Australia, right? New Zealand, New Zealand. And um, we appreciate his ministries. We've listened to a lot of his teachings. And he tells this story of one day um, passing by a woman and he just has this simple thought, God knows your name. And in his mind, he thought, well, that's very simple. And, of course, she would know that. But he had this persistent thought, like, God knows your name. And so he thought, I want to be sensitive if this is a prompt of the Spirit. So he looks at the woman and he says, God knows your name. And immediately she has an emotional reaction. She starts to cry. When she regains her composure, she says, I have struggled because I was given up for adoption. I don't know who my biological parents are. I don't know what my name really is. And she said, I just was praying to the Lord, Lord, do you even know my name? And so that simple prompt, that simple, what seemed like a very simplistic message, was a prophetic message that brought encouragement and comfort right in that moment. And so this is what we're wanting to do is hear from God, 
and then relay the messages as they come. And um, as we're trying to seek revelation, sometimes we can say, well, I don't really know how to hear God. Like, if he doesn't, hello, Gina, this is what I want you to do, which sometimes I really wish he would do it that clearly. Amen? Like some people, yeah, right? Sometimes we really need that. But he often has us listening. And um, this book by Bethany Hicks, The God Connection, 12 Ways You're Hardwired to Know God's Voice, um, I found it to be very helpful. And she really um, talks about how that she says, God never intended us to live a life without full access to his voice, but we often dismiss the voice of God because we think we're making it up. Or we live unaware of the many ways that God speaks. The truth is every human being has been hardwired in their spirit, soul, and body to regularly and consistently connect with God. And then she goes through and talks about how that he often will um, speak to us, communicate to us through our senses, through what we see, through what we hear, through what we feel. And she goes through these um, 12 different ways. But I just want to say something about hearing God through what we see in creation. Jesus said to his disciples, look at the birds of the air. That's revelation. What do they see? They see the birds. And then he um, says they don't sow or store away in barns, and yet the heavenly father feeds them. Well, actually what he's starting to do is interpret for them what you see is these birds, and they aren't busy stowing away things. And really the application, what he wants them to take away from is don't worry, right? So if you look at the birds, God, Jesus was speaking to them and telling them the interpretation, like watch them and see that they're not storing away and you don't need to worry. That was God speaking through what they saw. Now God can speak through what we hear. And of course, Romans 10:17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The most important thing we'll ever hear is the proclamation of the gospel. But he also wants to speak to us many other times about things. Now, recently, a friend sent me a song lyric, and um, it was about, let me think, uh, it'll, it's going to be worth it all. And um, as I listened to that song, the Lord spoke to me through what I was hearing. I was hearing a song, but he started speaking to me about perseverance. And, um, and so it was what I was hearing, what I was listening to, but he used that song lyric. That happens when we listen to podcasts sometimes or when we listen to sermons and um, he speaks through what we hear. All right. There's much more in that book. It would be a helpful resource. Maybe you've had difficulty hearing God. And Pastor Dave briefly referenced these last week and I wanted to make sure it got into the notes that um, these things can quench the flow of the Holy Spirit. And John Wimber identified these five, um, control, fear, unbelief, negative or critical self-talk, or relying on your own reasoning. So let's just go back and think about that man that's walking by the woman, and he gets the prompt, like, God knows your name. Well, if he isn't sure how she's going to respond and he wants to make sure that it's going to be okay, that's a control thing. We can't control how the other person's going to respond, right? Um, Maybe he might be afraid of seeming kind of silly because that seems like such an obvious thing. You know, that could be fear. Unbelief, maybe some of us just think, 
I don't really know about this prophecy, and I'm not going to go out on a limb. Um, but that is unbelief that's trying to press against the very thing that God's trying to raise up a strong church to speak words of encouragement and hope and comfort. And so I want to just say one more difficulty hearing God, and um, my control thing just went off, um, fatigue. So I went to a conference last um, fall. No, yeah, last fall. And it was a prophetic conference, and it was for trainers, and I'm still just trying to learn and grow myself. And so anyway, so they're telling us all these prophetic things we're going to do, and anyway, and I'm feeling like, oh, my goodness. And they said, okay, so I want you to go up, and I want you to just um, pray and ask the Lord. He wants to give a gift to somebody, and so ask him to show you what that gift is and um, describe it to the person. I was so tired. I was so dry. I felt so empty. And here I am, a pastor, and I'm like, "Um, I think the word has a box, and it's got pretty tissue. I don't know what's in it. (laughs) And that was it. And I felt like, what a lame message, you know. But I was really tired. And I think sometimes that can also interfere But you know what happened? I didn't give up on, and I didn't leave that conference. I stayed, and people kept prophesying words to me. I was getting strengthened. I was getting encouraged. I was getting comforted. And I pretty soon had a lot of things that I was hearing from the Lord and sharing and and ministering to other people. But I just want to say um, there's these various things that can interfere with, um, with us being able to hear at times. And so just watch for those. All right, three priorities of a prophetic message. It's really important that we understand that a prophetic message has this aspect of revelation, interpretation, and application. And um, these three parts, if we understand them, we'll understand what our role is as we're giving a part of the message. We'll understand what the receiver's role is and which parts they're going to look at. Um, When it gets conflated and all mixed up, and it can cause confusion and maybe misapplication. And so let me just explain a little bit. All right, the first part, revelation, is looking at what has God said, shown, or revealed. So Habakkuk 2.2, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. You know, when you write something down, you're being intentional and focusing to write down what it was that you're wanting to write down. Well, if we're writing down what the Lord revealed to us, we're trying to write down the details of it. So write down what you saw or what you heard, or if it was a dream, was there an emotional um, response? Did it seem peaceful? Did it seem fearful? Um, You know, were there bright, cheerful colors? Was it dark colors? You know, any of those details, um, think about just trying to be as descriptive as possible with whatever it is that the Lord might reveal to you. That's the first part, is revelation. That is the part, that's the message from God, whether he's given it to you through a dream, a vision, a scripture, song lyrics, whatever it is. The interpretation is asking, what does this mean? 
And so we're asking the Lord, what does this mean? And it's a very important step in order to get the application right. Okay? If, um, if we did not get the interpretation correct, it's going to get us going in a different direction. And so we want to make sure that we understand what the Lord is saying. Sometimes he speaks and it's symbolic. It may not be literal. So when he talked in Matthew 25 about the sheep and the goats, he wasn't talking. Like we're not thinking, oh, we're supposed to go buy a farm or thinking about agriculture or something like this. No, he was talking representative of those who are in Christ, the sheep. All right. Sometimes there'll be a baby in a picture and it could actually literally mean a baby or it may be something new that's coming, a new ministry, a new, you know, job or, you know, it could represent something new that's happening. And so the interpretation of the message is the responsibility of the one who's receiving. Also, the third part, which is application, is also the ultimate responsibility is the one who's receiving it. Because really, this is part of testing. All right. And so if you sense this is a word from the Lord, you sense that you understand generally what the interpretation is, then we're asking, how do we respond to it? Because God is a God who calls and his people respond. And so how do we follow our shepherd as he's trying to lead us and guide us? And so we're asking, how am I supposed to respond to whatever this message is? When it was, you know, God knows your name, then right away that was the revelation. It was very simple, just a few words. The interpretation, well, she knew that she had just been asking the Lord, and so she knew that God heard her question and was answering, and then the application was just a deep comfort that she was known and that she had a heavenly father. I think it connected her immediately. Some of the biggest mistakes happen in misinterpretation or misapplication, and if you look at the story in Acts 21 of Paul on his way to Jerusalem, there's this revelation in that chapter that if he goes, if Paul goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be bound by the Jews and handed over to the Gentiles. All right, so that's the revelation. But then we've got Christians that are crying and begging and asking him not to go. Well, if he would have listened to them, it would have taken him off the Lord's desired path. And so it was very important for Paul to recognize that sometimes people that are receiving the revelation also want to start talking about the interpretation because they care emotionally. They're emotionally invested. And, you know, really, just like Peter didn't want Jesus to go to the cross and Jesus says, Satan, get behind me because the ultimate source was the kingdom of darkness trying to interfere with God's will. So in the same way, it ultimately was up to Paul to test this and to make sure that he was applying this word properly. The Lord was warning him, was letting him know what was to come to strengthen him, to make him aware. So it wasn't, he wasn't caught off guard, but he had the strength to go because he knew it was the Lord's call. I hope this is making sense. A recent dream, Pastor Dave, do you want to share about that or say more about what I just was talking about? Both. Yeah, good. Um, the, 
You've said that the responsibilities ultimately on the person receiving uh, the revelation, like uh, not re- the revelation, but who, who it's being spoken to, mm-hmm. to do the interpretation. But that um, doesn't mean that the person who's giving the revelation doesn't also ask the Lord for for interpretation. And so I think back to the opening story that you shared last week about when you went away to that conference Mm -hmm. and they prophesied over you in order for them to effectively prophesy, they needed some interpretation about what they were seeing and you still needed to test it. Right. Mm -hmm. But they saw you getting in a boat. They saw a precious flower opening up and they started to speak about the meaning of those words. So the interpretation um, is this middle ground where the one receiving the revelation is asking for some meaning. And sometimes you need more meaning than others in order to be able to share. And other times you don't. And so I'm, I'm saying that to set up the story that she's asked me to share. So I, in the last couple months, it's very fresh. I, had a, I woke up in the middle of the night. I had a dream of a, a colleague in ministry. And in my dream, we were on a call. It was a Zoom call. And he appeared on the screen in a box, but not like in his office. He was in the middle of the woods in a jungle, and he had no clothes from the shirt up. And I don't remember what he was wearing from the waist down, but he was really jovial and happy. And he started to speak about pythons like he was talking about pythons. And the moment he started to speak, I saw one come up from behind him and in an instant it wrapped itself around him but then it didn't do what pythons normally do which is squeeze the life out of you it swallowed him whole and then i saw in the dream i saw him fully alive inside the python wrestling like i'm seeing him punching against the side of it trying to get out as it slithers away and around the corner and i woke up um, at right there and just at a, with a, at a start praying for him. And so um, I was, I've learned, I was still really groggy, but I've learned when, the, when you get a dream like that and you know it's the Lord, get up, pray, write it down. So I wrote the dream down and um, had, an, uh, had some initial thoughts about it. And it's a colleague that's close to both Pastor Gina and I. So I, I shared the dream with her and I said, um, would you pray with me about sense of uh, interpretation and whether to share this in in part because um, I didn't know, do I share this with him? This could be uh, the Lord wouldn't frighten, but this certainly seems kind of frightening. And I, I didn't know, you know, is this just to pray or is it to be shared? And so uh, we both prayed and she shared some sense of interpretation and I had some and I thought I'm going to reach. I, I felt led to reach out to him and uh, this is to show you, I want to, ch- I want to share this to show you how I had a sense that was wrong. Um, I thought my, and part of my initial interpretation was that him speaking about pythons might have represented his teaching on spiritual warfare. And that as he began to teach on it, something was going to attack him. So the way I approached it was I emailed him and I said, um, hey, how are you doing? Just checking in. You know, we're, we're in contact pretty regularly. Um, and um, I'm wondering if 
you're, you have any um, plans to teach on spiritual warfare in the near future? And the way he responded, I, it, it sounded like there may be some, but it wasn't real clear. And it sounded like, no, that's not, that doesn't really connect with the sense of interpretation that I had. So I didn't go ahead and share the dream to start. I didn't go ahead and share the sense of interpretation. I just tried to test first by, um, by a, a sort of a point of linkage. So then when he replied, I asked him again. I said to him, okay, the reason I'm sharing this with you is because I had a dream and I'm wondering about you and, it, uh, and I'm wondering, would you like to hear it? So then I gave him the option and he said, I would really mu- appreciate hearing it. And so I shared the dream with him and, um, and he wrote, he phoned, uh, texted me a week later and he said, um, can we talk on the phone? God is using this powerfully. And um, so we did. And he shared that the Lord was really speaking to him about um, him being in a place of vulnerability, the lack of clothing, the lack of being appropriately dressed was something the Lord used to speak about vulnerability that made him open to attack from the enemy and um, was connecting it with his circumstances and calling him out, if I remember correctly, out of some things and into a a place where he could be um, in more prayer, more deeply abiding in and connected to the Lord and sort of moving slower so that he was more aware of what was around him or what may be coming against him. So the Lord ended up using it powerfully, but just to, to, to make clear again, I got the revelation. I did not have um, interpretation. Pastor Gina did have some uh, that, that what he connected. She had some proper interpretation that he connected to, and then he got much more interpretation on his own, and the Lord used it to apply it. So I think that helps pull those three apart. But when you are... Um Sharing a message from the Lord or a revelation, you want to be sure that you are very clear. What did you sense the Lord saying to you or speaking to you? And then if you're going to offer anything else, make sure that you're saying this is maybe an interpretation, but make it really clear because otherwise if you put it all together, then they think, oh, the Lord said all that. And and so that's why it's really helpful to keep it separate. All right. Um, you can, there's an appendix in this lesson that goes over forms of prophecy, but prophecy can be a word to a single person. It could be to a whole group and so forth. But I really want to talk about sharing prophetic words. And so guidelines for speaking a prophetic word. Um, when you're going to share a prophetic word, you want to recognize to the best of your ability, is the Holy Spirit on me? Is he the one that's prompting this? And so like that pastor just felt like there was just a slight nudge. Sometimes people feel, you know, a little bit of heat or maybe their heart starts to flutter or their hands get hot. And sometimes it's none of that. It's just a simple thought that comes. And so often our thoughts, as the closer we walk with the Lord, our thoughts and his thoughts are really close. And so um, if it's a strong impression or a persistent impression, um, then you, that might, you might want to say that might be the anointing of the Holy Spirit on you for speech. Um, when that lifts or when you feel like the clarity is gone, then stop. Don't go beyond it and keep rattling and try to make sense of it all. 
Just when it stops, just stop. So just share what you get. Obey what God gives you and start to speak. For some of us, we may have the whole picture or the whole thing. For some of us, we just have a few words. And as we're obedient to step in by faith and share those few words, sometimes the Lord gives more as we start to speak. And so um, obedience to take that first step and open your mouth and start to speak. Be guided by the 1 Corinthians 14. The spirit of the prophets are subject to, to the control of the prophets. That means we can start opening our mouths and speaking. We can stop. We're in control. It's not like the Lord is possessing our body and taking over. All right? So we can operate under spiritual authority. So if you're trying to use the gift of prophecy, make sure you're doing it under the authority of your church. Um, or the group that you're in, you want to operate in an orderly way, just speaking one at a time. Operate in love. So everything, do everything in love. And we're doing it for the purpose of, what are the three primary purposes? Strengthen, encourage, comfort. Yeah. And then operating in a humility so that it invites testing. You notice that Pastor Dave wasn't saying, We got this dream and we think blah, blah, blah. You know, he was saying, would you like to hear it? You know, and um, we just submit this for your prayerful testing. And so that's offering it in humility and inviting their testing. Be ready to speak anywhere at any time that the Holy Spirit leads you. Avoid emotionalism. And I think this group I'm talking to, we're probably not going to be at risk too much of of overdoing it. But um, there are some groups and certain cultures where it almost like you have to get revved up to give a word. And um, really, the Lord wants us to just be normal people and not seem like we have to be super spiritual or something. And then um, also, because we are supernatural beings, right, and we've got the Holy Spirit, but we don't have to be weird. All right. Um, Unless you have a weird sense of humor or something like me. All right. And then um, always leave room for discernment so that we're not saying, thus saith the Lord, but I have a sense. All right. So those are speaking prophetic words. Um, And I think for the sake of time, I'm just not going to be able to share some of these stories, but I do want to encourage you to read your lesson because there's a lot of helpful illustrations in there. But one time I was teaching a young man about prophecy. His dad was in the military, very militant at home. And so when this young man started to get prophetic words, he started to give them, but it was in a tone that he envisioned what the Old Testament prophets were probably speaking like. And it was like a tongue lashing. And um, I watched people just cower when they would start to get a word from him. And at that time, I didn't know enough myself to really be able to, you know, I just knew it wasn't right. And so we had to talk about it. But the more healing he got, the more full of love he got, then his presentation of those prophetic words um, started to line up with love. Be ready to speak anywhere at any time, and I do want to tell you this story. I was at the Willow Creek um, Leadership Summit years ago. I'm listening to this speaker. Maybe on the second day, I'm up in the balcony at Kentwood Community Church. I've got my brochure, and as this speaker from Los Angeles is speaking, all of a sudden I get the words city church, and then I get the impression that this church is supposed to 
become a multicultural church and that I'm supposed to go talk to the church. And um, anyway, and so I'm like, Lord, um, you know, did I not get enough for lunch or what? But um, anyway, so I, I came home. I got online. I was praying. I'm like looking, researching churches in Grand Rapids. And, you know, was there a church anywhere like this or by that name? And I narrowed it down to several. And finally, I felt like the Lord honed it in on one. So I talked to Dane and said, could we go visit this church? So we go to worship with them. We'd never been there before. And anyway, and afterwards we stuck around and then the pastor's wife came and um, I explained that I was there and that I had been at Willow Creek and I had felt like I had a prophetic message to give them. And um, she said, well, I'd like to hear what it is. And so I share and um, her eyes get really big and she says, stay here. I want my husband to talk to you. So anyway, so finally her husband is free and he comes over and I said, I was at Willow Creek Leadership Summit and I was listening to the speaker and I got the name City Church and I got the impression that this was supposed to be a multicultural church and that I needed to come and um, share this with the pastor. And his guys got really big too. And he said, I have been wrestling for months with the Lord about this. And this week I finally just nailed it down and said, we're going to be a multicultural church. I changed my billboard. I put it on the website. And he said, he said, this is amazing. This is so encouraging that you've come. And I show him the brochure where I had written it down. And the speaker from Los Angeles that had been speaking had been his mentor. And it was undeniable. It was undeniable that the Lord had brought this message. And what it did for him was it encouraged him that he was moving in the right direction as an African-American pastor, deciding that he needed to have a multicultural church. And me as a white woman, Christian, coming and making a step of faith, it grew my faith to take that stretch because that was a stretch for me and for us. And so anyway, so just be ready to speak anywhere and anytime. And as I said before, be sure and offer the offer it in a way that you're just presenting it for testing. And then for receiving, if you're on the receiving end of the prophetic word, use first Thessalonians five, nineteen to twenty. Do not quench the spirit, don't treat prophecies with contempt, test them all, hold on to what's good. Reject every kind of evil. And um, I just want to point out that when it's saying don't treat prophecy with contempt, we should be eager. We should be eager for the Lord to send people with prophetic messages to us and to our church because it's for comfort, strengthening, encouraging. I mean, don't we all want to be strengthened and encouraged? And so we should not be skeptical or hesitant We also shouldn't be gullible. And so test them all, hold on to what's good, and reject every kind of evil. And really what this is talking about in this particular verse is not saying that um, if it's off, that it's from the kingdom of darkness or that you're a false prophet. It's just meaning it didn't measure up to those four discernment principles. It didn't hit the mark of encouraging. And so just disregard it. And you can say things like this oh, thank you very much. I'll give that some prayerful consideration. And that's all you have to do. You don't have to receive it. 
You also, if you're, if somebody's sharing it, you don't have to feel like you owe them an answer about what you're going to do about it later. You just say, thank you. I'll take this into prayerful consideration. And so, um, hold on to that. That's good. And if it's not from the Lord, let it go. Don't worry about it. What do you do if you don't know? You know, you receive something and I just recently, not too long ago, got an email from somebody I hadn't heard from from several years, and she said, I had a dream about you. And she describes this church that I'm leading and what it looks like and what's happening and all. And anyway, and I say, wow, that lines up with a lot of, like, what my dreams would be, but that doesn't seem to be the way the Lord's working right now. You know, like, this is the way I've processed it, so I think it really, you know, it would exalt Jesus, it aligns with Scripture, it, you know, I'm bearing witness to it, but it doesn't seem like it's for now, or I don't know how in the world that would happen. And, um, and so what I do is I just pray, and Lord, you're my good shepherd, so if you're going to bring this about in your timing, then um, I trust you with it. And there's some other workbooks about how to, how to um, unpack some of these um, prophetic words. And Caroline and Jackie are going to teach a class in June on Wednesdays, and they may touch more on that. And you all are all welcome if you would like to come to learn more about prophecy. But anyway, I just wanted you to know that sometimes we aren't real sure you know, is this, a, is this for me and I need to receive it, or is this not? And you can just trust, you know, pray about it, lay it out before the Lord, and then file it away and trust that if that's something that he's wanting to really strongly give you some direction about, he'll bring some other confirming witness. He usually uses these prophetic words as a confirming witness, not as the one and only time he's going to tell you a direction to go. Yeah? So. All right. That is the end of this lesson. Um, I want to really just reaffirm what you said. That mm-hmm. that, that bit about um, he doesn't use prophetic words to primarily um, give direction. Mike Connell, who you referenced in that story earlier, said he's, he's, he's quite a powerful um, man of God. And he said, I'll, I'll regularly have people come to me and say, can you prophesy over me uh, and ask the Lord about my future? And he'll say, nope. Because they're looking to him mm-hmm. for a word about their future. And they're, it, it's, it, it's like bordering on fortune telling, right? And so the Lord gives the direction, and sometimes he will give that through words, but it's always, like you said, confirming. Mm-hmm.